Welcome, everybody, to Beyond the Shadows. Author and historian Mike Ricksecker coming back at you for another week. This episode of Beyond the Shadows brought to you by a Haunted Road Roast. It helps young ghosts. That's for Tim. Yeah, I actually remembered to uh, to bring it over here with the you know, studio rearrangement. <laughs> so I'm seeing Sarah Jane down in the chat, Tom McNicholas, uh, and of course, Nicole. Victoria's in the house. All right. Great to see all of you in there. So, yeah, we are talking about personal resonance this evening. And this is something that I've been talking a little bit about, a little bit more about lately. We did a episode back in January, I think it was, that was kind of specifically uh, shadow people and resonance. And we'll kind of review a little bit of that here uh, at the outset. And then we'll you know, roll into some other topics and, and talk about how all this plays out in the connected universe. And we will get a little universal with it. <laughs> so um, just to kind of recap what we've talked about before with this, uh, why we each see supernatural activity a little bit differently. Like some people will see more apparitions than shadows, and other people see more shadows than apparitions. I'm one of those that sees more shadows than apparitions. Although, that doesn't mean I don't ever see apparitions. And, you know, when we do, and this is actually something that I have uh, just been covering, I mean, you, you guys, of course, won't know because it's all in the background right now as I'm editing uh, the Shadow Dimension docuseries that, you know, we're just covering it yet. Tom, I got to edit your part about the little girl <laughs> that we uh, witnessed up there in Mineral Springs a couple years ago. And we each saw her a little bit differently. You know, I saw her basically, you know, fully formed from the head down to her knees, and then she kind of faded away. Um, it sounds like, Tom, you can refresh me uh, if I'm wrong about this, but I believe you kind of saw her in a very similar uh, fashion, but like Nick Moulet saw the feet first and then up, and you couldn't really make out the face too much. So, you know, we each, you know, see this phenomenon a little differently. So the question becomes, why is that? And that's because we each resonate, we each vibrate on a little bit of a different level. The human body has you know, basically a frequency range, but we're all a little bit different. So when we actually see and witness this phenomenon, we we each see it a little differently. And uh, now Johnny Enoch is down there in the house. <laughs> Beyond the Shadows is the best, and let's learn about personal resonance. Absolutely. So let's, you know, before we get too deep into this, you know, when you start researching this, and we start, you know, speaking about all this, uh, you know, type of phenomena, witnessing this activity and why we're witnessing it and all that, you know, we're kind of interchanging terms here, like resonance, frequency, all that. So I grab some just definitions to kind of get us started here. So frequency being the number of vibrations per second. Natural frequency is the frequency at which a body tends to oscillate or vibrate in the absence of any driving or damping or external force. And then resonance is a phenomenon in which an external force or a vibrating system forces another system around it to vibrate with greater amplitude at a specified frequency of operation. So what's really kind of interesting doing research uh, you know, on, on frequency and resonance you know, pertaining to the human body, you, you actually come across a lot of information about uh, people in the workforce uh, specifically like heavy equipment operators and how the the vibration of that equipment affects the human body and of course you know depending on the equipment and the frequency that it's vibrating and you know all of that wonderful stuff uh, affects the body differently so kind of the same thing when we are witnessing or experiencing the supernatural or even other external elements from the universe, we tend to be affected in a bit of a different way. Um, so let's get into some of these different things. Also, another interesting uh, note about this is it, it seems like as you read through different papers, uh, a lot of these researchers 
attribute the frequency of the human body to different frequencies. So I, I just grabbed a couple of quick notes here. Uh, you know, one paper says the human resonant frequency could be assumed to be in the range of three to seven hertz, uh, or uh, the overall range of resonant frequencies of the human body was found to be from nine to 16 hertz and independent of mass height uh, and mass to height ratio. So you, you see all these like different numbers. Uh, I did grab, this, this is brainwave patterns. Uh, so, you know, beta, normal waking consciousness, alpha, deep relaxation, the brainwave pattern of insight and eureka moments, theta, uh, and so beta was 14 to 30 hertz, alpha is 9 to 13 hertz, theta, which is level 1 and 2 sleep, is 4 to 8 hertz, and delta, 1 to 3 hertz, level 3 and 4 sleep. So th this is when we start getting into research of you know, sleeping patterns and how the brain operates while you're sleeping. But you see this, this varying range in all these different states of consciousness, you know, and... You know, kind of the two that we would be really interested in, of course, would be for our discussion tonight would be beta and alpha. So you're talking, uh, you know, a, uh, a vibration of anywhere from nine in a deep re relaxation alpha state to 30 hertz, uh, the beta, which is normal waking consciousness. That's a wide range. And, you know, the point of me bringing all that up is to state that we're all vibrating on a little bit of a different level, which really, really matters. And we'll, uh, we're going to get into all these different things. So Sarah Jane saying, three different people witness an accident. They each have a different way of viewing it, memories, et cetera. And that's very true. You know, and, and memory is you know, very subjective because uh, you know, somebody could remember something being blue, another person remember it being green. Uh, so you have to take all those things into uh, context as well. Tom McNick was talking about the uh, little girl, kind of like me, uh, never saw the feet. Yeah, I never, I never saw her feet either, but Nick did. And so, again, it's one of those, you know, why is that? Why is it that each of us saw her a little bit differently? And, okay, so I've, I've been talking about the way that we vibrate in our own personal resonance. Well, the little girl in that incident or any of this other supernatural activity that, that we witness, uh, it has all of its own personal resonance as well. So it's also vibrating on its own level. So let's say, you know, let's, let's throw this uh, back up here. Let's say, um, you know, uh, we're in a beta state resonating, I don't know, 15.21 hertz. And, uh, you know, there's the little girl. She's, you know, resonating, or that would be like me. I'll say, you know, 15.21. Maybe the girl's, you know, resonating at, you know, 15.7. But Tom over there, I guess maybe Nick, because he saw her differently. Maybe he's at uh, 16.1. So, you know, we each all have a little bit of a different frequency. And so we're all seeing there a little bit differently. We're all experiencing each other. You know, it brings it into question, uh, you know, how did she actually see us? And we go down that rabbit hole in a lot of our conversations when we start, uh, you know, talking about are they seeing us as ghosts? Or when we get into, like, the shadow entities topic, are they seeing us as Shadow entities are they seeing us as some sort of interdimensional being? We don't we don't know. We don't know how they are actually seeing us. Um, you know, there have been some interesting accounts. Uh, you know, our good friend Andrea Perrin talks about that incident at uh, the Conjuring House, another part of the shadow dimension, uh, in which her uh, her mother you know, witnesses family in the dining room, and the men turned and looked at Carolyn and said, well, would you look at that? As if she was the ghost. So, you know, that, that's, you know, really kind of a confirming moment. And there's some interesting photography that came out of uh, the research that we did back in the fall for the series in which you can see 
you can really see the the vibration uh, at play. And actually, this one is more of a phase shift. Uh, and I'm going to save that for the series because I don't want to spoil it. Um, very, very interesting stuff. So uh, Sarah Youssef asked, do you believe that the ability to experience paranormal activity is a result of aligning and resonating particular mixes of mixes of frequencies? Yeah, actually, I, I do believe that, that um, there, and we're going to keep, you know, going down this route here uh, throughout the evening. I, I do believe that, you know, there's, there's something that happens. There's something that occurs that, okay, we are seeing something that we can't normally see, but for a moment, and that one with the little girl was several moments. That one actually lasted a long time. Usually we only see these things for like a handful of seconds, but that one was for, um, and Tom, I know you said Dustin still has the audio from that, but that was at least a good couple of minutes, uh, which is really long. And I'm saying a couple of minutes. It was probably like 30 seconds. Who knows how? I, I don't know, Tom. You'll have to tell me how long it, it is. Um, but it seemed like a long time because usually we only see these things for a short period. But that was one of those where, you know, the, those frequencies lined up so succinctly that we were able to to see her in that moment. Uh, and then she reverted back to whatever whatever frequency. And I believe when, you know, when we finally master you know, something like interdimensional travel, that it's going to be uh, this type of knowledge that we're going to have to implement, and not just on a physical level, but with the consciousness. You know, when, when we talk about, like, you know, astral projecting and things like that, uh, you know, you're, you're putting your body into a, into a different state of being, and we're going to get into different states of being here, uh, as well. So uh, as, as we continue down this, this rabbit hole, as we're talking about um, our bodies and the way we resonate, uh, talk to a little bit about, a little bit more about this lately too. And that is uh, the body's toroidal field. And I, I quoted in the second edition of A Walk in the Shadows, the Heart Math Institute, uh, and some of their studies that they've been doing, and how okay your your body as we're talking about your your vibration your energy, you know it projects this uh, from your body, uh, and it it will project out several feet, and same with with others they also have that energy that they are projecting out. That's why you know you could be in a room with your back to the door. And all of a sudden you sense, wait a minute, there's somebody else in the room with me. You turn around and boom, you know, there's somebody else in the room. You feel that, you know, you can, um, now this is a, a, an example that I use for, uh, when we, when we talk about shadow phenomena and, uh, sleep paralysis and waking up in the middle of the night and, uh, seeing a, a shadow figure that, uh, like the medical community likes to say that, well, you know, it's just a hallucination out of our dream. You're waking up and, you know, you're seeing, you know, the, the shadow is just a part of your dream, et cetera, et cetera. And, it's, and for me, it's like, well, we dream about all this kind of side, but we dream about all kinds of different things, not just humans. You know, why isn't it like a tree, a car, an airplane, you know, something else in my room? Why is it always a, a person? Not, you know, me specifically. That's happened a grand total one time to me. And I've seen all kinds of shadow entities, you know, always while I'm, you know, completely awake and usually walking around doing something else. Only one time in a sleep situation. But a lot of people report this happening. They wake up, they see it, they have sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis is a, uh, a real biological phenomenon that happens. Your body uh, will paralyze you so you don't act out your, uh, your dreams. So two separate things happening here. You know, that's a real biological phenomenon. The shadow figure in the corner is a real supernatural phenomenon. And here's the example that I use. This is where the toroidal field comes into play here. Is that um, I believe that we are actually, our bodies are sensing that presence while we're asleep. And the example that I always use for this, um, because 
parent with one with young children will completely understand this. And I had a guy uh, that I did a, a show with uh, a few days ago that he, he was interviewing me on this subject. He, I had him rolling <laughs> because it was something that you know, he, he said that his daughter did all the time, too. Now, I always use the example of, of my kids, specifically my son Cameron, because he was notorious for it, where, uh, you know, they'll come up to your bed in the middle of the night. And sometimes they don't always, you know, like shake you awake or tap you awake or whatever. A lot of times they'll just stand there. And like I said, my son Cameron was was notorious for this, that he would just stand there and stare at me rather than wake me up. But I would still wake up, and I'd you know, be like, oh, my God, Cameron, what are you doing here? Oh, you know, I had a bad dream, or I need some water, or you know, need to use the restroom, or whatever it is. And so we go take care of it. But if he didn't touch me, what actually woke me up? It was his presence. His energy woke me up. His his toroidal field of energy around him was basically crossing into mine. I'll put this uh, photo up again for those that are watching the live stream. Uh, you can see the man and the woman here. Their their fields of energy. It's a torus. Basically, that's why we call it a, call it a toroidal field. Is because uh, the the shape is of a torus, which is basically if you can you know think of a donut, <laughs> um, and that surrounds us. And so here they're crossing so they would be able to feel uh, their energy. They have, in this photo, they have them rather close together, but you can feel this out several, several feet. And so going back to the, uh, the shadow entity example, if it's standing at the end of your bed or even in the corner of your room and you wake up and you see this thing, its presence is essentially what woke you up. And, you know, you're, you're feeling that. And so uh, this is something that... As I've been talking more and more about this particular thing, it's it's clicking more with people. I think because I use that example of the child, and, and people get that. Oh yeah, my you know my kid does that, and you know so they get it. Um, let's see, was there a uh, question here? Oh okay, the question marks from Tom. We were using EMF detector communicating with a young girl following us around the hotel before seeing the young girl. Uh, was that the same one? I I don't you know Tom. I don't know if that was the same one. Um, you know, because there are several girls that are around that hotel. You know, there's actually a lot of female figures. So there's, there's a, a really an aside. So there's there's Cassie down in the pool area. Um, there's that uh, girl that you know may be named Molly. That's in a different room. She's a not a little girl, but a younger, you know, probably young woman. Um, you know, there's there's Helga walking around in different areas she may be she may be a woman of course pearl's a woman um and then the little the, the other little girl up there i don't i'm not sure i'm not sure uh sarah Yusuf, do you believe that the initial encounter of the shadow person touching you as a child aligned you enough to set you on this path we're gonna yeah we're gonna be talking about um uh getting in sync with this energy and i believe that was certainly one of the uh, one of the incidents that helped me to, well, certainly go down this path. It was one of those uh, early influences in my life that made me curious about uh, this phenomena and what happened. Of course, back then at eight years old, I was, you know, scared out of my mind. But, uh, you know, as I continued, continued to grow up, um, you know, I enjoyed ghost stories. I actually created the story of a ghost haunting my grandparents' house to try to, you know, scare my sister and my cousin. Um, and then it just became like the family, uh, the, the family joke that was going around any time that we'd go to my grandparents' house. You know, the whole family, aunts, uncles, everybody would get in on the thing. Um, and then, yeah, and, and you know, I, I started reading like Hans Holzer and you know, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, it certainly set me down that path. But as far as seeing shadows, is that why I now see more shadows than apparitions? I believe so. And we'll get into uh, kind of syncing up like that here as we go along. So hold that thought. <laughs> um, in Victoria Monday, in regards to frequencies, do you feel that they have to match or would they complement each other like an interlocking piece of a puzzle? Good question. So I 
don't think that they have to precisely match. I think once they get close enough, you start to see or experience something. But I think this is also why uh, we see or experience things in different ways from other people. Because you know, the way that you know, I'm resonating in whatever that object or other person is, you know, we're, we're on two different frequencies. You bring in a third person, that's even another different frequency. So, you know, we, we're each going to experience each other in a little bit of a different way. But I think as long as you have those frequencies close enough, you'll still be, you know, to ha be able to have some sort of experience. So I think that's what happened with, with the little girl. Um, so, uh, Victoria, if one was in a state of hyper-awareness, would they resonate at a higher frequency? So, yeah, that's kind of the idea that uh, the more, you know, you know, the kind of the more aware that you are, um, or really even, I guess, if we're just talking about the brain, each part of the body actually has a different frequency. So we're kind of specifically talking about the brain. The heart comes into play on a lot of this too. Um, and our, our science now is, is discovering, uh, you know, that there's, there's a lot more uh, going on with the heart than, you know, and it's funny because the ancients for a long, long time, um, had believed that, you know, our, our consciousness w was in the heart, not, not in the brain. And then, you know, our science taught us, oh, there's a lot going on in the brain, but, you know, a lot of those uh, neurotransmitters are actually in our heart as well. That's what science is now showing us. So there, there is, you know, part of our consciousness that's here too. And there's a connection between heart and brain. Uh, it's really qu quite interesting, but they each have different frequencies. So we were kind of using the examples of the brain uh, earlier, you know, because it was just kind of easy to do to show, you know, here's the brain in different states of rest or, you know, or awake that it's operating at different levels. But yeah, if you're, you know, suddenly, uh, you know, suddenly like very super aware of your surroundings and, and that happens, um, you know, there'll be something that kind of, you know, kind of really tunes you into what's going on around you. Um, I don't know if this happens to other people, but there will be something that just like clicks for a moment. Um, something that like, um, will almost kind of supercharge your brain for a moment. And all of a sudden, at least for me, the, I'll, I'll start seeing everything very clearly. Like the world will get very clear around me. Now I have naturally have terrible eyes. I have 2,500 vision. I wear contacts. Um, now I have astigmatism. <laughs> so my eyes are, are terrible. Uh, but there, there will be these moments where there's just like this super sense of clarity in just the world. I can actually see the world around me get clearer. Uh, I don't know if that happens uh, for any of you, but it, it does happen to me sometimes. Um, those moments are actually very cool. Um, all right, so let's continue on um, a, a little bit here. So you guys have seen this uh, photograph before. Uh, our regulars here, and of course, those on the podcast and listening on KGRA will, will not be able to see this, but uh, this is from the Chandra X-ray Telescope. It's uh, warm, hot, intergalactic matter. Basically, it's an X-ray of the universe. This is actually what I use for the uh, connected universe background. Uh, and these, you know, bright lights on this are actually galaxies. And these strands that you see are basically you know, kind of what the description is, warm, hot, intergalactic matter. It's these hot gases. It's basically these hot gases are connecting all of these galaxies. And it looks like a giant, massive spider web. So everything is connected. This is where you know, we're talking about the connected universe. Well, you know, keep that in mind for a moment. So there, and these things I'm about to talk about now are highly debated. You, you have quantum physicists that debate these topics. Uh, but uh, one of the ideas is that you know, we're talking about a person's resonance, we're talking about a person's frequency. 
uh, person also has a wave function, or oh, there are many scientists who believe that, that there, a person actually has a wave function that seeps out into the universe, like the entire universe, until we are actually observed. Uh, this is, we're going to get into uh, a, a bit of a paradox here. Uh, this is, we're, we're getting into, um, well, people are going to recognize Schrodinger's cat when I do this description, although I'm not using the cat as a description, but um, take, okay, the tree that falls in the forest. Has it fallen in the forest or is it still standing? Well, you don't know until you actually go and observe it. Now, using math um, until you actually observe it, the tree could be either standing or fallen until you actually until you actually go and observe it. So in that sense, it is actually in both states at the same time. Now you can you can calculate a probability of which state it would be in, actually uh, you know standing or falling. This can also be applied to where a person is in the universe. So until you're actually observed, <laughs> you know, wherever you are at, um, you could actually mathematically calculate that you could be on the moon or on Pluto or in another galaxy somewhere. So, you know, if this camera was turned off, um, and you didn't know that I was sitting in this room right now. You just heard my voice. Um, you wouldn't know where I was, really. And therefore, again, basically using math, you could actually put out there, of course, it would be very small, very, very small chance that I could be on the moon or on Pluto or somewhere else. Um, you know, there's, uh, they have, you know, crazy mathematical calculations for, um, you know, basically throwing something at a wall or trying, or a person trying to walk through a wall that it is, you know, pretty much you're never going to walk through it. But there is this like one in however many, you know, tend to, you know, however many billion zeros out there that you will just casually walk right through. And the time that that would happen, um, it, it's crazy some of the numbers that they come up with because it's like, well, you know, the amount of time it would take to make those attempts would be you know, longer than the universe has actually been around. It's crazy numbers like that. But it's that whole paradoxical observation state thing that we're talking about. So you are actually, you have a state of being that is actually already out there in the universe traveling connected to all parts of it and i know this is kind of a strange rabbit hole to go down but i bring it up because i wonder if it's not some of these paradoxes that have perhaps been resolved by other beings interdimensional beings by extraterrestrials their resolution to these strange paradoxes that we throw out there are the way that they are traveling here or traveling across the universe that they've been able to figure out, you know, if I can state that I am here or there at the same time, if I'm able to resolve that, you know, that I'm out there, and I think it's more of a of a consciousness thing, not necessarily you know, a physical thing, but more uh, having to do with the conscious. And it's you know kind of uh, strange and bizarre. Um, but like I talk about when I get into uh, the time travel conversations, you know, I talk about that movie somewhere in time, uh, which is based off the book uh, Bid Time Return by Richard Matheson, and. I think that his idea there for time travel makes a lot more sense than all these things that we try to postulate about 
you know, some sort of machine or uh, you know the DeLorean or, or what have you. Your your physicists these days will say, well, it, it would take massive, massive, massive amounts of energy, or you know, getting right next to a black hole. You know, and you know, of course, if you put your body next to a black hole, the the gravitational pull is just going to rip your body apart. So you know, kind of pointless <laughs> to put yourself next to a black hole if we could get to one uh, at this time. You know, I, I don't necessarily think it's mechanical in nature like that. Again, I think it's, it has more to do with the consciousness. But um, in in that story, basically, what um, Richard Collier is the character played by Christopher Reeve in the movie. What he does is he actually wills himself into the past by making his consciousness believe he is already in that point in time. So while he's physically in the present, he is basically telling his mind, I am in that, in that moment in the past. You know, he, he puts on the clothing from that period. He puts objects in the room from that period to basically tell his mind, I'm there. So if you have this notion, I'm here and I'm on the moon, can we get to, and we're just, we were just talking about, hey, there's the, if you have these two different states, you know, the tree is up, the tree is falling until you observe it. Is there a way that we can do that same thing with these two different states, whether it's a point in time like that movie or from here to the moon and just say, I'm on the moon and away you go you're on the moon. You know, is, is that what some of these interdimensional travelers have figured out, that they basically will their consciousness to, I'm on Earth, and away they go. They're on Earth. Could be. That could be one way to do it. We, uh, it may take us a little time to truly figure that out, but I think it, ha it really has more to do with that than, than physics, than something physical and mechanical. Uh, okay. So let me uh, check some of the comments here. You guys are talking about melatonin, serotonin. What in the world conversation did I miss down here? Uh, magnesium. <laughs> um, Sir Yusuf, what about the theory of quantum entanglement? Um, you know, we're kind of not getting too much into that, but I mean, there are some. Uh, I mean, it's re it's related, you know, because we are we are talking um, a lot about uh, you know quantum theory here. So entanglement is related, but basically the idea that you have you know you know two particles um, that. And they're basically what from the same object, and when you change one, the other on the other side of the universe is immediately changed as well. There's no like communication or anything like that. It just happens at the exact same time. So it's related, but it's it's still different um, because with um, with that you're talking about two particles. Where here with the observation paradox, you're actually talking about one single object in two different states. So related, but different. Um, okay, so did all that. Now the, uh, the idea of getting in tune. Okay, let me get a little sip here. <laughs> uh, and I see that uh, Carrie's in the house. All right, good to see you, Carrie. And Tom, I, I'm in a cave full of gold. No, nah, it didn't happen. <laughs> you have to truly believe you're in it. And, you know, that's that's uh, the way he was, was able to, to do it. He was able to truly believe and feel that he was back in that time. Um, Victoria says, Mike, I've been listening to subliminal recordings that have a uh, binaural beat in order to shift my consciousness. You think that could be a route one could take in order to become more aware of other realities? I mean, possible. I mean, if you are trying to to basically change your frequency, it might be a way to 
um, observe things in a bit of a different way. And so this actually, that actually leads right into um, kind of what I'm talking about, like getting in tune uh, with specific things. So you know, we talked at the very beginning about how uh, some people see more apparitions and shadows. Some people see more shadows than apparitions. And basically, um, and, and Sarah was asking about, you know, my first experience with the, um, you know, with the shadow entity that touched me, uh, across my arms, across my body and all that crazy stuff, uh, you know, when I was eight and I saw others, I think as you interact with these things more often that your personal vibration will become more and more and more in sync with them. So why do I see more shadows and apparitions? Because my body has learned what that vibration is. And when it's nearby, the body syncs up with it. So this is an interesting uh this is from the Heart Math Institute. This is a very interesting diagram. And this is, this is physical. We'll start with physical contact here. Uh, that a person will get in tune with another just from physical contact. And you know, a little bit more than just you're, you're spooning with a person and you get your breaths in the sink, which is pretty cool too. But in this diagram here, they show... Uh, no contact between two people, and then holding hands between two people. So no contact, uh, subject A brainwave is, you know, it's, uh, there's some little ups and downs, not doing a whole lot. Subject B heartbeat, you see, you know, the beat, and then, you know, keeps going. When they're holding hands, you see subject A with the brainwave, subject B with the heartbeat, and the brainwave has a spike there at the same time subject B has a heartbeat. So the brainwave activity of one person has synced up with the heartbeat of the other person. There's a lot of great information that uh, that they have out there. They even show this with, with animals, like a boy and his dog, how they sync up. Uh, really, really interesting stuff. So you can, you know, get yourself in sync uh, with another person, and you know, it's, it, it's, it's not a coincidence when um, Nicole and I. It's funny, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, say something, uh, the exact same thing at the exact same time, or we'll sigh at the same time, or there's just like really off the wall things that neither of us have ever said to each other before. And then all of a sudden, in one moment, we say something just really corny that there's no way that it's, it's just bizarre. You know, we have like truly, totally synced up like that. And, you know, this is, this is what that is, that, you know, people going back to that toroidal field, you know, where you are feeling each other's energy, each other's resonance, each other's vibration that your bodies sync up with that. And I think with, with Nicole and I, we're, we were kind of already, you know, had probably similar frequency or vibration, you know, before, and then getting that together, you know, helped that, that resonance, helped that, uh, you know, getting in sync together. It was maybe it was a lot easier for us to sync up together. I mean, we would have to, you know, go through and kind of scientifically measure that and everything, but... Um, but this is how, you know, people are just like, you know, wow, I'm really in sync with, you know, this person or that person. Um, you know, it, it, it's really interesting how that happens. So you can sync up with a human person. You can sync up with an animal. I, maybe I, I should have also grabbed the, uh, the illustration of the boy and the dog. But, you know, they've done those tests, too, uh, between, you know, human and person. So with a human and the supernatural that happens too. So, you know, there's, there's a, some sort of shadow in the house or there's a, you know, spirit in the house and you're feeling that there's something there. Well, your body, since it feels it there, and especially if it's already familiar with it, puts itself into sync with it. And if it's, a spirit that you're familiar with, that you're, you've gotten accustomed to, 
they're probably doing that on the other side too. On their side, they are probably also doing the same thing. Of course, you're not consciously really doing it. It's just naturally happening that your your energies are, are syncing up together. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're able to witness and observe something. And so, you know, when that happens with, you know, shadows, uh, going back to that, you know, this is why I see more shadows than apparitions because my body, going back to those early, early moments of, you know, when I saw it when I was eight, when I saw it when I was 13, you know, going on paranormal investigations now. And that's what I start seeing more of because my body has already experienced that in the past and it knows, okay, this is nearby. This is the frequency to get in tune with it. So yes, people can certainly get in tune with each other. Um, and there's a, there's a term, you know, there's a, uh, it's called panpsychism. I've mentioned it before, I think some, some weeks ago. It's basically the view that all matter has some associated consciousness so that, you know, we're, you know, we're all connected. So we're able to, you know, sync up like that quite, uh, quite easily. Um, well, I shouldn't say quite easily, but um, our bodies know how to do that. And so, and that could be another way, um, or maybe that is part of the whole process as we try to learn how to interact with these interdimensional beings, these interdimensional realms, how we can maybe travel interdimensionally is we learn how to sync ourselves up with those frequencies. Uh, this also plays into like the, the collective unconscious. Um, you know, that idea that you, know, you have all of these, basically all these thoughts out in the ether, right? And um, we, we can all you know, kind of grab a hold of, of one of those ideas. You know, Carl, this is one of those things that Carl Jung talked about, uh, you know, that all this stuff is up for grabs. It's just a matter of tuning into it and grabbing a hold of it. It's why you see, you know, so many people suddenly, you know, all inventing the same object. You know, why, you know, nobody's invented this, you know, like the light bulb or the radio or whatever that, you know, nobody had previously invented it. And now all of a sudden you have like three or four guys like racing to get this thing out when, you know, it, it hadn't been before. Why is it that all of a sudden you see this mad rush like that? And it, it's because they all tapped into the same thing around the same time. And, um, you know, it's, it's really interesting how and I've, I've had this happen to me. Uh, and some of this is going to probably sound really weird or hokey. And some of you might not believe me, whatever. Um, the biggest one, I've had it happen to uh, several things, um, but uh, I'll just mention real quick, like the game The Sims, um, you know, people are pretty familiar with, with that, kind of like one of the all-time best-selling games ever. They're on you know, what version four now or whatever. Yeah, when I was in high school, years before that came out, I was putting together a little game called World. And it essentially was The Sims. You could be anybody, have any job, do anything, and it was basically a virtual world. I mean, not quite the way he designed it in all of that, um, because you know we didn't have <laughs> in in 1990, uh, 91. We didn't really have, I guess, those types of graphics at that point, <laughs> and so. Um, but it was still like the same concept. And so to see that come out years later, it's like, hmm, all right. And people will say, oh, he stole my idea. Well, it's just, you know, we kind of tapped into the same thing. So Will Wright tapped into the same thing I did. Um, and he had the resources. Uh, but the biggest one, um, I, I was kind of like grabbing the same stuff Sylvester Stallone was for a while when it came to the Rocky movies. And, you know, go ahead. I've actually been on a Rocky podcast before talking about this where, um, yeah, I got really in, in sync with him, it seemed, because, um, you know, absolutely loved the Rocky movies as a kid. Um, after the second one came out, um, and I've been writing since I was, you know, very young, like seven, I'm writing a little Rocky story 
And in my version of Rocky Three, Rocky and Apollo became friends, which did happen in Rocky Three. Also in my version of Rocky Three, Rocky fights a Russian, which he does in Rocky Four. Fast forward a few years, Rocky Four is you know, long since out. Now I'm having a conversation with my mother about the Rocky movies, you know, about the last couple, three and four, you know, versus the first couple, one and two. I'm like, you know, I liked Rocky better when he didn't have all the money that he has now. When he was poor, he was, I, I can't remember how I described it, whether he was a more likable character or um, he was funny or whatever it was, but I liked him at, better when he didn't have his, all of his money. So in Rocky Five, he loses all of his money. Go figure that. Fast forward many years later, because there was a good 15 years between five and six, which was titled Rocky Balboa. Um, you know, it was you know probably late 1990s, maybe around 2000, 2001. I can't remember the year. I had this dream that they finally were going to make another Rocky movie. And in this dream, Adrian is on her deathbed, and she dies in the movie. Well, they didn't quite do that with Rocky Six, except for the or Rocky Balboa, except for the fact that she was dead when the movie started. That she had that was one of the main plot points was you know her death was weighing on Rocky. So there was some there's something there. There at least was something there where I was majorly in tune, in sync to whatever in the world Sylvester Stallone was tapping into to, you know, get his ideas for the movies. I mean, it's not every single detail, of course, but it's some major plot points. Um, and so that's, that's getting in sync with someone or something, you know, tapping or tapping into the collective unconscious, whatever you want to call it. There is absolutely something there that we all tap into and can get in sync with other people on. For sure. So, um, <laughs> Sarah, I hope Mike isn't starting to build the matrix. I do have a degree in simulation programming. So you never know. <laughs> Uh, but that would be a matrix inside of a matrix, wouldn't it? Uh, because, I, I mean, I do believe that you know, we are in a simulated universe right now. I mean, it's most, I mean, we've talked about this before that, you know, like most of our major religions essentially already teach that we are in a simulation without using those terms. You know, they talk about, you know, depending on the religion that we come from, from somewhere, here for a short period of time, we go on somewhere, whether it's to learn something or what have you, there's, there's different reasons for, you know, why they believe we're here, or, you know, other religions where we are here preparing for the world beyond, you know, so they, they talk about it in different terms, but you know, it, it's essentially simulation. I don't necessarily believe that it's a computer. I think it's more uh, you know, organic or biological or, or something like that. Um, Maybe something molecular in nature, um, not a computer like we have here. You know, we always kind of compartmentalize things into our current understanding of technology. Um, and this is just this is just scratching the surface of the type of technology that will be out there a hundred years from now. Uh, you know, and then you expand that out five hundred, a thousand years from now, we really can't imagine the technology that will be available then. And I think it will be a much more conscious-based technology. All these different things that I think that people scoff at us for as we're talking about this, as we're talking about projecting our consciousness across the cosmos, I believe in the future we will have the means and ability to do that. We'll be calling it, you know, everyday technology then. Today, they're calling it, you know, pseudoscience or you know, woo-woo, I hate the term woo-woo, but, you know, a lot of people use it. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, and I forgot to bring the power cord and plug my 
laptop in. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Tom, I could have sold the screenplays to Stallone. I don't know. He's, he's talking about doing a Rocky prequel. He actually put some stuff out there on his Instagram. He did some rough stuff, uh, rough outlines for a Rocky prequel, which would be pretty cool. So, all right, uh, before I lose power on this, I'll just go ahead and wrap this up real quick. You know, it's funny. I, I forget this half the time. And uh, Nicole keeps telling me, you just need to bring a power cord. You buy a separate power cord, second one, and put it here in the studio, and I really should. Uh, all right. So I want to thank everybody for, a, uh, for hanging out tonight and uh, talking about personal resonance. And I also do want to thank those who asked questions for the monthly Q&A video. I did post that today on the Connected Universe Portal website. For those listening to the podcast, it's connecteduniverseportal.com. And also to those listening to the podcast, if you want to watch this live and ask questions in the running chat, well, you can get all that information at connecteduniverseportal.com. 30-day free trial there, and then you get access to... Uh, you know, all the articles, behind-the-scenes videos, sneak peek videos, the monthly Q&A videos, the Mike's Morning Mugs, um, and these live streams. And, yeah, there, there's a lot out there. So, all right, everybody. You guys have a great evening, and we will see you next week. Edge of the Rabbit Hole episode is Nathaniel Gillis on Tuesday, and then, of course, Beyond the Shadows next Wednesday, uh, live here at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern. All right, everybody. Have a great night. Till next time.